When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So silver and gold, let's be honest here. It's It's been quite a few years in which we've seen a lot of life out of them. For the most part, gold has been under $1,400 dating back to like 2014, 2013. Silver, for the most part, has been under $20 with the exception of I think the summer of 2016 after the Brexit vote. Since 2014, 14 or 2013. It's been a while. They've been range bound, more or less. And yet, I am very much solid on their fundamentals, much like I'm solid on the fundamentals of many of these stocks out here that, whether it be Lyft, which recently IPO'd, or, or Tesla, or Netflix, or some of these, these stocks that are massively overvalued, these, these uh, growth story stocks, not so much profit story, but growth story stocks. Um, I'm solid on their fundamentals being very weak. I'm solid on the fundamentals for silver and gold being very strong in the coming years for a variety of reasons. But but in this video today, I want to talk about three drivers for the price of silver. What is it going to take for silver and gold to, to move up again? Now, I would argue that their bull market has already begun, that it began back in uh, November when they kind of bottomed out and, and they started to turn around. But... They still have, I think, a long ways to run. Now, I want to talk about three simple factors that I think are, you know, if I can put into three simple categories. Now, there's potential for other ones to come up here as well. For example, supply disruption in the silver market in particular. Uh, if, if you had a country like uh, Mexico deal with some serious societal unrest, some serious economic problems, you know, similar to what's going on in Venezuela, uh, that could cause some trouble for for the silver markets. I mean, Mexico is the largest silver producer in the world. And you saw what happened to, to oil production in Venezuela. You saw what happened in oil production in a place like, you know, Libya. You know, God forbid. Something like that could absolutely happen in Mexico. But I want to talk about three things that we can sort of count on here in the future. What happens in Mexico is hardly a sure thing in either direction. So I want to put this in three simple uh, categories here. Number one on this list, economic slowdown. If you don't believe me, an economic slowdown can lead to silver and gold demand. Look no further than the Great Recession and the Great Financial Crisis and, and what that did to silver and gold demand. In fact, it didn't really die down until, you know, we're talking like 2017 after the Trump election. In fact, 2015, 2016, those were some of the strongest years for demand, especially for, for silver. And I think a lot of that had to do with the economic slowdown. Partly, it was it was a fear thing. People were afraid to lose their jobs, or they had lost their jobs. They were afraid to lose their house, their their livelihood, their retirement. And I think a lot of them bought silver and gold for that reason. But also, it was also I think a story of a flow of money. And I use that term money very loosely because honestly, what I'm talking about here is flow of of fiat. Um, into what many of us would call money, and that's silver and gold. But basically, you had 
people selling stocks. You saw the stocks as a whole selling off worldwide. Uh, people selling stocks, selling real estate, uh, maybe other more speculative uh, or risky assets, and putting them into to silver and gold. Right when it, when, it, when when you really break it down for what really drives the price of silver or what really drives the price of gold this next time around, I think it really will come down to two things, and that is is flow of fiat, again not flow of money, but flow of fiat, and the weakening of the underlying fiat currencies. Again, there's supply disruption, there's massive amounts of investment demand driving up the price, but I think a lot of it comes down to those two principles. And so I think it's important to understand that you're going to have a large amount of money, <laughs> fiat, flowing into silver and gold um, out of, of other asset classes. And I'll remind you that that uh, the silver market in particular is is fairly small. We're talking about a billion ounces produced on a yearly basis. That equates to, what, $15 billion of silver, which sounds like a lot of money, and it is, but... Sounds like a lot of fiat, and it is, but if you compare it to the massive size of, of the stock market, like, look at a company like Lyft, right? Lyft IPO'd last week, uh, or is it the week prior now? I don't know. It IPO'd at a market cap larger than the yearly production of silver. I want to say it was north of $20 billion. Now, today, I don't think it's it's north of $20 billion. It came down quite a bit. But that just goes to show just how small the silver market is. Now, the gold market is, is considerably larger because uh, the, the price of gold, obviously, is, is something like 85 times that of, of silver. But it's still something that can absolutely be moved by, by investment demand. And in fact, you've, you've seen quite a bit of investment demand or quite a bit of, of monetary demand for, for gold just in the last year or two. From, from central banks, uh, and, and that hasn't moved the price a ton. And again, I think it goes to, to the fact that, that gold is just not as, uh, I guess, rare given uh, compared to its price. But it, it's absolutely a market that can still be moved by investment demand, right? It's, it's at, at some point, there's only so much physical gold out there on, on the marketplace. For silver, you know, if I can go back to silver real quick, you know, a, a billion ounces a year, you know, many people, including myself, would, would estimate that the amount of above ground investable silver. So that's bullion, coins, bars, and, and maybe you could extend it to like some forms of, of, of jewelry and silverware. That's a bit of a stretch. We're, we're talking maybe 10 billion ounces, right? Which sounds like a lot. Again, $150 billion. But compared to the size of the, the, the stock markets, the treasury markets, real estate, the, the the amount of currency flowing out there, the amount of debt that's out there, fairly small. So economic slowdown and the ensuing flow of, of fiat into real money. Um, I think that's number one on this list. Number two, central banks and governments and, and their increasing desperation to fight off an economic contraction. I think that is going to weaken currencies. It's ultimately going to lead to a whole host of sovereign debt crises. You'll have sovereign debt crises, you'll have currency crises. Uh, oftentimes those two things go hand in hand. And yes, it's going to drive demand for silver and gold. But I think this is demand that will occur because of the weakening of the currencies as opposed to just a weakening of the stock market or a bond market or something like that. 
Um, but but I think in this next recession, this next slowdown, you're going to see, see central banks come out with a whole new round of, of easing policies, of drastic uh, policies that they have never tried. Now, some of these may have already been tried by other banks, such as you know, the Bank of Japan, right? Maybe we'll see the Fed or the ECB step into the stock market and start buying stocks. Maybe we'll see helicopter money, which uh, from central banks I don't think has really been tried yet, right? Um, and I think you'll see a similar thing from governments. In fact, I was talking about this last week in one of my interviews with, with uh, Paul Eberhardt. At some point, it doesn't matter who's doing the helicopter money, whether it's central banks or governments. Governments can go out and you know deliver helicopter money in the form of some massive stimulus bill. Let's give every you know, uh, adult American, you know, $1,000 or whatever, that's helicopter money. And then the central bank can just monetize that debt. Uh, who is really uh, delivering the helicopter money when it's all said and done? But I think that's going to be a big part of, of this next recession. Already, you know, we're seeing the, the global economy slow down. Some countries dip into recession, despite the fact that many central banks, if not all central banks, remain very accommodative very low interest rates historically. Many of them carry very large balance sheets as a result of, of quantitative easing, years and years of quantitative easing. In the case of Bank of Japan, they're still doing quantitative easing, and yet the global economy is still slowing. And so you know, lowering interest rates, that can't really be done, right? They can go a little bit more negative. Uh, the, the Federal Reserve can, can lower them by a little over two percentage points, but they don't have a whole lot of maneuvering room. That leaves it up to quantitative easing, Helicopter money, buying equities, buying other forms of, of maybe corporate debt, even you know other forms of personal debt, and government intervention, massive amounts of spending, and I think that's going to lead to a you know a currency crisis. Uh, not just the dollar, we're, we're talking about many different currencies here, but people realizing that the underlying currency, <clears throat> this two percent inflation that we've dealt with for so long, you know official two percent inflation that that number is going to look small in comparison to what we'll be dealing with here in the future, right? I'm talking inflation akin to that that we've seen in the 70s or even higher than that as a result of runaway debt and runaway balance sheets. So uh, central banks and governments and, and how they respond to this next slowdown, that's going to be a big driver of, of silver and gold demand. And finally, investment demand. Now, I've already been talking about investment demand here, but I want to zero it in, zero in on it a little, a little bit more here and, and, and how I see it playing out because I kind of uh, was talking about this again in my interview last week with with Paul and I don't know if I ever quite summed it up like I did in that video but how I see it playing out in terms of investment demand is that right now with gold and silver still within their their range that they've been in for quite some time now who you have buying them largely is central banks in the case of gold and maybe some other institutional investors that have for a long time been been um, stocking up on physical gold, right? You you have the speculators and whatnot, but I'm not, I'm not worried about them. A lot of that's just paper market dealings. But then you have stackers, people like you and I. You have people like uh, uh, those in India that, that buy large amounts of silver or gold for, for wealth preservation purposes. And, and we're kind of buying regardless of the price. I mean, maybe the price goes down, we buy more. But, but but we're not momentum buying, right? We've been buying for years now, despite, again, silver and gold largely being range-bound. But I think that once gold breaks some key levels, I'm, I'm looking at 
1360, sorry, 1350, 1360, and then ultimately 1400, I think you're going to see a whole new wave of, of demand come into the markets. People chasing momentum. You'll see this on the paper side of things. You'll see it on the physical side of things as well. Again, look at the amount of demand in the silver and gold markets after the uh, financial crisis and, and the momentum chasing uh, that, that silver saw all the way up to near $50 and, and, and gold, you know, close to within striking range of like $2,000 an ounce, right? I think we're going to see a similar story this next time around of investment demand, um, people chasing that type of momentum. And again, it's it's not just going to be chasing fiat return. Uh, you can't look at this in a vacuum. You got to remember that many of these people will be buying because of what central banks and governments are doing, what other markets are doing because of a, a, of a global economic slowdown. But that's really how I see investment demand playing out, that we're going to continue to see this this floor on, on investment demand in the form of, of stackers like you and I, uh, central banks, other large physical investors. But once we break some key resistance levels in gold and ult- eventually silver above 17, 18, 20, $21 an ounce, then you're going to see, I think, a, a large amount of money coming to, yes, the paper markets, whether it's the COMEX, the GLD, the SLV, etc., but also the physical markets going in bar demand and and uh, supply and demand at some point comes into effect and you see that increased demand, meaning a, a steady supply or even a falling supply um, in terms of silver and, and its yearly mining production. And I think that's going to be kind of the key factor to send it higher, right? It's going to be because currencies stocks, potentially bonds, and various other markets are, are dropping. And, and that's what I think ultimately will send silver and gold higher. It's going to be the safe haven asset of last resort. So let me know what you think of this video down below in the comment section. Sorry about my voice, but it sounds a little scratchy today. Just dealing with some uh, allergies or maybe a bit of a cold. I'm not quite sure. But uh, anyways, if you, as always, have future video ideas or, or questions that you'd like me to answer here in a video, let me know down below in the comment section. But, but as always, I'd like to thank you once again from the bottom of my heart for watching this video or listening to this podcast if you're in the podcast world. Uh, and God bless.